Charles Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, and welcome to number 199 of MDA. Wasn't Donald Bradman? Wasn't he uh, out at one? No, that was 1990. He, he, he didn't get 199. Let's hope there's nothing his prophetic final, there. His final innings, he got out at, at 99. No, no, I think his average was 99. Oh, it was. His, his average, average was 99. He got out so at let, final innings hope, for a duck. That's let's right. hope that the, the best is ahead of us, Tommy, here. <laughs> so I mean, I'm thinking about 199 episodes, but Troy... Realistically, you've been every step of the way with all of them, except maybe one or two where we had someone fill in. I missed uh, one. You missed one. Can I ask you, do this rambling that we do, these conversations, <laughs> you know, this jibber jabber, is there much, do you ever do any editing of it? Or oh, I mean, There's so much work that goes into this show. Heard, do you, does this go live? No, it doesn't it's, go live. There's a lot of editing that goes into the show. Yeah. So do you cut out our stupid comments? They must be Occasionally. short. They must be short uh, podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to like. So, so Troy, you do edit. Well, I'm I'm surprised after all these episodes. Have you not listened to one no, final? I product? can't look at myself in a photo. I can't listen to myself. I can't look at myself. I just can't. <laughs> no, no, there there is small editing. It's more around the uh, top and tail, top and tail, and about the audio experience. And so, so just on podcast for a moment. I was away last week, um, and I had opportunity to listen to you know audio books and yeah, podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know about you, John, but for some reason, when I've got a chance to listen to the author just speaking or have the author being interviewed by someone. I seem to enjoy the experience better when there's a couple of people sort of talking versus just someone narrating a book. What's your feeling on that? Yeah, it's, it's, I agree with you. I mean, firstly, when I hear an, when I listen to an audio book, the difference between a narrator speaking and the author is like chalk and cheese. So I, I love hearing from the voice of the person that wrote, even though they're the same words on a page. Um, and I think, you know, ho- hopefully what people have enjoyed, because I'm like you guys, when you go to Eric or just go around the streets, and it- it's a great feeling when people come up and say, oh, you know, I heard this on, or you said that, and I remember you said that three podcasts ago, to actually think that you are making a difference. And we might talk about this more maybe at our 200th one where we can reflect a bit more, but I think people quite like the fact that... Uh, <laughs> We're unprepared. Yeah. <laughs> no, not unprepared. Yeah. But, but we, we talk about real issues and we don't pre-rehearse anything. And the fact Troy and I, as I said, I don't listen to the, <laughs> the final version, but I suspect they're not overly polished because I think what we say, I mean, we never go back and redo it. No. Really, pretty much. We talk here about nothing like Seinfeld. This could be the Seinfeld of real estate, this podcast. <laughs> we talk about, about nothing. <laughs> this is a show about nothing. Um, so well, I think people like kind of dropping in on that conversation um, and kind of hearing different opinions. And Tom, one of the things that I love about you, both in your your on-stage performance, but also in your Sunday raves, which I, I think are amazing, and hopefully all our listeners are tuning in to those or watching on Facebook after, is it's real life, unedited, raw, honest, the stuff you talk about and the way you talk about it. And I think that's kind of creeps into here. We don't bullshit. We don't tell people the world's perfect. We, you know, we talk about real life issues, and you know, if 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 the three of us or any of us are having challenges with it, we talk about it. So yeah, I think it's I think it's good. And by the way, let's get the elephant out of the room. Congratulations on the Tigers for an outstanding win on Sunday. I hope you were there. Was it? I, I wasn't. It was at uh, ANZ yeah, Stadium. And um, look, I so was belted the bunnies, Troisy, this week. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, that's quite an extraordinary win, actually, when you think about it. You know, so they've beaten the Dragons, 
the week before. They've beaten um, South Sydney, who's uh, coming second, are they, John? Oh, now we are. We were, yeah. we were winning when we played you, yeah. and I think we'd had nine in a row. Yeah, there's nine, nine wins, wins in, in a row. row. Yeah, so have you, how, the Roosters have got a big game uh, this week. Uh, they're playing uh, St. George, St. George yeah. Dragons. So, um, Off the back of a really amazing first half performance versus Manly on the weekend. Troy, I'm curious, do you, um, you watch a lot of the games? Not really. On TV at all? No? Not, not really. No. I'm normally a highlights person. I watch, if I've got someone that I used to play with or someone that I know through Friends of Friends, I'll watch. Uh, just to watch their performance, but I don't get to watch as much Go as I would like to. And, yeah. no. John, you, 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 you would watch most South Pre- Sydney pretty, games? Oh, yes, yeah, every, every, every South Sydney game. And the beauty now, which is probably a terrible problem for the NRL, is it's so easy. Every game is covered live. You sit there on a cold Saturday, Friday night or Saturday night and you pop the lamb roast in the oven and the few roasted veggies and you sit there and you watch it and half-time you pull it out and you... You know, have the roast and it's a great experience. Yeah, that's one of the problems why uh, crowds are diminishing. And so accessible. I remember when we flew to Arik, we were in the car on the way down and we opened up the iPad and watched South yeah. in their game versus uh, the New Correct. Zealand Warriors. And how about our friend Willie Ainsworth's Geelong Cats? How do they go? I don't yeah, know. I don't I follow the AFL. I love watching it. I actually think it's in many ways a better game than NRL, but I don't actually They watch won it. on the weekend. Uh, Will text me straight away to say they won. So. Oh, well. Yeah. Good. Gang. So uh, that's about it. Let's, <laughs> let's wrap up. Let's, let's great. Wrap up. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> I hope that everything's going to help you have a better year in real estate. We, thanks to that uh, conversation. We probably have three <laughs> listeners left, so let's talk to our three <laughs> listeners about something this okay. week that, res- that resembles real estate. Two topics, guys. Um, and they've both been inspired by questions that have come uh, via our listeners. The first one is, we hear about teams... We hear about if you don't have a PA, you are the PA. My problem is that I just need to get a bit of understanding on how do you remunerate support staff? Example, a buyer's agents, associates, and a red PA versus a blue PA. I realise that different salaries apply to different parts of Australia. So We'll talk um, in a minute about what red and blue PA means because a lot of people listening wouldn't understand that, Tommy, as you know. I think that... My view is a lot of people put a starter team too early and definitely some people start it too late. So I think there's an art to what is the right time in your business or career trajectory. I say to people, if you're doing two or three sales a month, you probably don't need an assistant because you should be able to handle that company in 50 yep. or 60 hours a week, four weeks, two or 300 hours a month. If you can't you know, list and sell, you've got another issue you should be dealing with. You've got a prospecting, listing, or selling issue. So first thing is, you know, don't burden yourself. And, and I'm all a believer in invest ahead of the curve. Sometimes you do need to invest a little bit before, but not too much before. Just as much, Troy, as if you're doing seven or eight sales a month and you haven't got an assistant, then you're right. You are so, your so assistant. So what are you saying, John? You're saying somewhere around the four or five months? I think four to six sales is about the time you need to, per month. You need to be saying, if I'm going to go to 10, I probably need to leverage and I need someone to come on board. Yeah. So yeah. The, the syntax is what we, I think we might have started it and we got it from Sherlaws, which was a business coaching. Yeah. Red, what they call a red... PA is someone who handles all the marketing and administrative stuff. So that's normally the first person you would hire is someone to take all that off your plate, frees you up to be in front of customers 24-7. 
A blue PA is someone who would generally be hired after a red PA if you're going to build your team to the next level. Someone that actually helps you in the sales field with buyers, listing and selling. So some people call it an associate agent. So someone less senior to you that wants to be a part of your team but is capable of contributing three, four, five sales themselves a month. Um, and we just talked about Willie Ainsworth and, and Will has Tom, right? Tom Luxon, Who's yeah. like a gun. And, you know, I, I would imagine going forward, and, and Tommy works underneath Will, but he's a very, very capable young man, and I reckon he's probably good for four to six sales a month going forward as an associate inside Will's team, which is inside McGrath's team. So I think this concept of building a business inside a business is real and thriving and happening in a lot of places. So one of the common questions that I always get is not only the right time to hire, three to four sales consistently over a three, yep. four, five month period because you're starting to see that traction. But the other question is... Four to six, I reckon. Four to six, six yeah. Yep. Um, who and what role do you hire first? And I'd love to get both your thoughts on that. Do you go to the red person? I think the red makes sense because... Yeah. If, if, well, so it depends on what is your personal level of, of organisation or disorganisation. I heard someone last week and they said, I need a PA because I'm really disorganised. I said, no, no, my advice is get organised, yeah. then get a PA. Because otherwise all they're going to do is tidy up your mess. They're not going to propel you forward. They're just going to make you look less messy and less disorganised. So I think it's, you know, as we've spoken about Ray Dalio before, mm. when he says, you know, you want to change the world, clean your desk first. If you can't clean your desk, you can't change the world. Yeah. So I think um, getting your act together, it's a really good point, Troy. Get yourself organised first, as much as practicable, and I know that we all have strengths and weaknesses, but if you're a disorganised, unpunctual mess, change it. Yeah. Make some better decisions. Then, to get yourself out there in the field more, get someone to take all those, which is the red CSM, or, or let's call them an administrative CSM, yep. or PA. Yep. Let's CSM for the people that are listening, uh, customer service yeah, manager. Clients, manager yeah, client client services manager. So, so that, then that's someone that just, you know, PA is, most people would call it a PA. That, that allows you, because really, as Dr. Fred taught us many years, how are your courses going, by the way? They oh, good? by the are way, started? Dr. Fred rang me yesterday, um, and he's very, he, he, he does it to actually uh, build a relationship and keep, keep chatting to me because I've got, I'm going through a, a, a family health uh, issue, not myself, and Dr. Fred, because he knows it, he gets on the phone and um, he's, he's, he's just so... And he, he's, he cares, right? He cares. And he also cares in an empathetic, spiritual, yet logical way. There's something special about his formula. And John, um, I'm going to give a small plug because he said to me, Tom... If we change the room, we can have four more people sit into our um, first group class. So can I just... Anyone that has not booked into this this card, well, they go to your website? So if they just send an email to... Send it to susan at info at tompanos.com.au. Can I just let people know it's $5,000... And it's for a 12-month period. And he said to me, we can allow four people into that group. Well, anyone that's not booked in, and this is not a plug, but I just love you and I love Fred, and I know that he changed my world and you. So, John, what were you saying about Dr. Fred that that we sidetracked there? You were saying something about uh, PAs, a dollar productive activity, mate? Yeah. Yeah, good. Thanks for reminding me. So it was about, basically, Fred says that Anything that he calls them dollar productive, his concept is dollar productive activities. What you're doing right here, right now, is either dollar productive in a day-to-day environment or not. 
if you're paying invoices and you're you know, doing administrative tasks, that's non-dollar productive, and he calls them t- sort of $20, $25 an hour activities. Yeah. If you're sitting in front of a buyer or a seller, that's, that could be $2,500 an hour activities. So the red, what the red PA or red CSM does is they take all those $25 hour activities off your plate for, call it $25 an hour or whatever, and that frees you up to do the other stuff. Or potentially it frees you up to take your kids to school and go to the gym. I mean, as an agent, we talk about balance and health and, and the importance of you know, having a life that is, is, you know, sort of fulfilling. And uh, that allows you to do some of that stuff as well because, you know, we, we live a you know, fast-paced uh, life in this business. Mm. So I think the first thing to do is get that off your plate. The first thing to do is get your act together. Second thing is to do is hire someone to so you can leverage your own skills. Third thing would be to bolt in a, a Tommy. Yeah. Tommy Luxton, right? Yeah. Tommy Luxton, someone like of Tom's calibre. Well, he's going to be hard to find, but someone that has the ability to, to build into your team and then actually work. So I would say a red, uh, sorry, blue CSM Tom would be dealing with 30, 40 buyers of their own. They'd have their own buyer pool. They'd be helping you at open homes. They'd be coming to listings with you. They'd be helping you prepare for listings by getting your CMA ready. Um, lead generation. They would be focused on a lot of lead generation yeah. activities and kind of connecting with 30 to 50 people on average every single day that are in their pipeline, database, warm, cold, um, people that met at open for inspections, those key prospecting so, activities so that we talk about a lot. So you're saying they're a bit of a stunt double, Absolutely. except they're not doing listing presentations on their own? Uh, some that evolve themselves do. Yeah. I mean, give you an example, and I don't think, Tommy, I mean, Will, I'm sure, wouldn't be embarrassed by this. He should be very proud, but Will, Will took his family on a holiday for a couple of weeks up to Noosa recently in, in school holidays, and his team did, Troy, how many sales that month? Was it nine or 13? 13, I think. It was a big number. 13 anyway, with Will away. With Will away. So this is the concept of, of, of creating a scalable business. And, you know, we know Betty Ockerlander, who I think you've interviewed yeah. on your... I mean, Betty's got, you know, three or four good people. And, again, she's doing a dozen sales a month. So I, I think that um, there's no doubt this is, I think, a way of the future. A lot of people, once upon a time, felt the only way for them to leverage themselves and their skills was to go and start their own business. Nowadays, I think a lot of people are saying, I don't really want to go and start my own business because there's a whole set of other risks, stresses and distractions attached to that, but I'm going to start my business within this business. And with commission splits generally going up a bit, um, and with people's ability to create their own personal brand inside a corporate brand... I think it's a great a great time, and you know. I did an interview um, two weeks ago with uh, Stefan Bertram. So we did a whole case study on on his business. I'm sure that you've already done that internally. Right? Oh, I haven't spoken to you since then, but yeah. I told you before. I think you asked me, tell me a bit more about Stefan, and I said one of the superstars of the future, phenomenal guy, energy, organisation, systems, really impressive. But what was your so, experience? So he's. Here's the metaphor that I think is happening in business. Here's a guy that's owned... And by the way, I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to drive an agenda of saying business ownership is not the way to go. I think business ownership is the way to go for certain people. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's a group of people that really want just to be listing and selling, having a decent life... Um, not having the worry of running a rent roll, not having the worry of having 30 people on their books. They just want to run a nice operation where they can serve 100 families a year. 
yep. in their community. And he moved from riding around, um, I think, under 800,000 800, as a business owner. So you can work at what the net on that would be. I mean, um, the left, not only was it a low turnover, the leftover in business ownership would be that it would he'd be making probably uh, a little bit more than the average person does in Australia as a, as a job, right? And he, and he should he should nudge 3 million, 2.8 this year. Correct. With, and, and, and not only that, he's got a great lifestyle, he's got a sustainable business, he's a nice person. Yeah. But what you're saying, Troy and John, is that from what you see in the McGrath network, and you use the label red and blue, mm. but what you're essentially saying is most likely make your bed first or get organize your, yourself. Organize yep. yourself. Get your, act, get your act together. Step number two is hire someone that's going to allow you to get stuff done that is high dollar hour productive activity, which mm-hmm. is potentially to be talking to more prospective vendors, to your current vendors, immersed into your community. And then step the next step would be to have a look at plugging in someone that you've called Tom from, um, sorry, uh, Geelong. Tom, yeah, Geelong. Um, someone that's got the ability to have sales conversations and most likely would end up developing, becoming just like you. They'll do, they'll do deals and at some point they may want to go out and be another Stefan. Many, as we've experienced, Troy, in our company, for many, many years, they just like staying as a team. How much, John, how much do you How much do you pay? Sydney salaries, Melbourne are probably higher than, you know, Brisbane and Adelaide. But if we had to say, Troy, and you're amongst it, how many, the McGrath, 27 of the, in the REB top 100, yeah. 20, was it 27 or 29? 27. 27. Out of those 27, Troy, how many had uh, business units? I would say oh, 27. Every, 27. Every, every single one of them would have a business. Before we move on, though, about Stefan, he is the prime example of a team that stays uh, very much as a tight unit. He's got James Gin uh, and Maggie that would absolutely cover everything for him uh, in the business and make him operationally sound. So it does allow him to have that flexibility. And they're such a tight business unit and they work to their specialised mm. and their core focus of administration, buyer associate. And we have noticed a trend, that a lot of those blue associates, as we use the term, they actually do like staying in those businesses longer. They love staying part of that team unit because they like the flexibility of working as a team. They like growing up and learning and mentor, having that mentorship and mentory relationship. Um, I think the other thing, Troy, a lot of people observe in their own business or in the real estate industry, it's actually harder than you think being an agent. It looks kind of on the outside looking in. There's a lot of people that have thought, I'll do that and I'll make all this myself. Some people actually find that inside a team, they they have, it's like an insurance policy, they're going to be more successful because mm. they've got that day-to-day mentoring. So I think, you know, on the, on the dollars, you would, let's say red CSM, it's really just an, let's say just, it's an administrative type salary that probably is in the 50 to 60K a year range, yep. give or take. And um, depending on the team and, and the person, sometimes there are some little bonuses attached to that. Uh, I would encourage agents out there to, to look at some form of, of bonus for team success. Um, but, you know, that's, I'm, I'm not being critical of those that don't. But I think going forward, especially if you have some long-term players or people that are committed to it in the long term, you know, some bonuses for good performance and, and team performance gets everyone aligned to the same goal. Then you've got the blue CSM. It's a bit more difficult, Tom, because there's a, a wide range of someone that's starting off as a blue CSM to someone that's, you know, like Matt Steinway, Jimmy and Trev, the guys at work, that you wouldn't call them blue CSMs. They're sales agents, yeah. but they're associates of Matt. And they're, you know, they would be superstars in any 
company in the entire of Australia, New Zealand. So they're different. But I'm talking about someone starts off. So let's say we've we've found the need to have someone come and work with us in that capacity as a sales associate, blue CSM. I would think that you're probably looking at a base salary of somewhere in the sixty to seventy five thousand range. Um, and definitely attached some some bonuses to performance deliverables theirs and all the teams because a lot of their activities are going to be embedded in what you do in the team. They'll be doing a lot of auctions and opens with you and then they might go and from their network or from their great diligent work pull in you know their own deals as well which they might get a little bit more of. And I would think that you know if it's 60 to 75 base a really good one would have the ability to potentially over time double that. To, yeah. to 1 to 150. Um, then if you're beyond that, you probably are going to go and start you know, yourself. If you're doing, you know, at, at some point in time, if you're doing six or seven sales a month yourself as a blue CSM, <coughs> you, you, you may or may not, but you're likely at that point to be maybe contemplating, should I go it alone or not? So, one, of, one of the most common things I hear from around the grounds is that new agents that come into the industry, they wish previous to joining our business or just anywhere else um, from different training elements, they wish they'd stayed part of a team unit longer. They mm-hmm. were too ambitious to get out and start selling and they didn't realise how tough it was to be a listing and selling agent by we, themselves. We do see that a bit. Yeah, we do. I mean, with absolutely. Adrian Bowe, many of Adrian's blue CSMs have ended up being some of our best agents. Damien yeah. Steele, Simon Exelton, who have both worked for us in the Bondi Tamarama markets. Nick Wise, well, which has just hit the ground running. Nick, Nick is the latest version. Um, there, there's no doubt that some of the best agents we have came through Adrian's team because he's very methodical, disciplined. He's got a process and they learned all that and, and he runs a disciplined team and they've then gone on to future successes themselves as a, well, those two as standalone agents as example. Yeah. So I think it is a good career path. Um, I think it's really important. More, what's more important is am I going to get paid 60 or 70 is who's the person I'm going to work with because they will be your ticket to success if they're really good and they're good mentors and they've got a good system. So I always say to people, don't worry too much. It's a bit like what I say to vendors. Don't worry about the fee. Pick the best agent and then kind of discuss the fee. Don't worry too much about what you're going to get paid as an associate or a CSM. Find an agent that you can really learn from, learn the right way, and that's your ticket to future success. Um, So, yeah, that would be... Now, now, Troy, you've been kind enough this week to appear on the Real Estate Gym. Uh, I am. We're talking. Pod, yeah. So, and what you're going to do is everything we spoke about, you've been able to drill down a bit further. A lot of it's inspired by the presentation you did at MDA Boot Camp, where you talked about exact roles, yep. bonus structures, what they would look like, uh, position descriptions. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to uh, doing that and our real estate gym members are going to get that um, next week. Perfect. So thank you for doing it. One final thing I want to ask you, to both of you, Mm -hmm. what are the three most important things if you're a head agent and you're listening to this podcast now that you can do to have your team to be running as best as possible? What are the things that you like meetings what do you say like a lot of agents struggle with people management they're okay with buyer management they're okay with vendor management but they struggle to the transition to people management i think um the mindset paradigm shift if you will of the agent is important they need to realize that 
they are moving from a single agent with no responsibility other than themselves and their own clients to now building a team. And there is a difference, and there's a new set of skills, or there are additional skills you need to bring in. So you do have to make that shift. Because a lot of agents just think, oh, just find me someone and sit them next to me. It's not, it's not like that. This is like, you know, you're the owner of a company and you're employing your team. So mind shift from the agents. Two is clarity about what do you want and who do you want. Again, agents, too quickly, the first person that someone sits in front of them that's, you know, got a nice smile and a nice bit of energy, they go, oh, that sounds right, you feel good. Yeah. You've got to say, is this, what, is, what am I trying to achieve here? What are the, you know, literally do a job description. Um, in fact, we could probably give one to Tom. I mean, if you haven't got them, Tommy, we'll, we'll give you an example. Yeah, we've got a couple, a couple of, of examples. So you can send we'll send you. you can stick them on your website. Um, but uh, what, what, are the, what are you hiring for them to do? Is it a red or a blue? If it's a red, what are your specific? Do you want them to go to photo shoots? Do you want them to meet with the vendor to go through the marketing? You know, there are, there, there's different bandwidth. Um, some will be kind of more office bound, just doing all the administrative stuff. Others are actually, I know a lot of people. In fact, I think um, Alex Phillips and Prue was talking about Alex at, at ARIC. He's saying that I think it was Prue goes afterwards and goes through all the paperwork with yeah. the client. So Alex is there, they agree on something. Yep, we're going to do this for this percentage, this marketing, this auction date. And then Prue kind of comes in behind and, and, and cleans up all the paperwork. Now, that's quite advanced, and that's probably more blue than red. But just to give you an example, there's different things. So I think do that. Um, Should you be having a meet once you've got your staff employed, or if you've got one staff employed, do you actually have a meeting with this? Uh, let's assume you've hired a red mm-hmm. CSM. Do you have a meeting, or are you meeting with them all the time? Is there a, a right or wrong? The discipline. You know, we like to call it a daily huddle. Yeah. I think sitting down because you are meeting. You're talking. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're talking from seven a.m. to seven p.m. on the phone and the text and the email all the time. So you can kind of get away without having formal meetings, but I think sitting down every day for 15, 20 minutes at least at the beginning of the day, just going through, let's look at the meetings we've got this afternoon. What am I going to need? What did I do yesterday? What do we need to follow up? Any emails that I've missed, let's go through them. So I think sometimes, somewhere between 15 and 30 minute daily sit down with your team. And if you've got a blue, it's a team of three. Really, it helps two ways, Tom. It helps making sure that you're incredibly efficient and organised and it helps making them feel a part of what you're doing. I've, I've seen CSMs that have left us and, and other companies where they said, you know, I came on board, I was all excited. They never told me anything. They never taught me anything. They used to come in and come out, throw paperwork on my desk. I wouldn't see them for hours, and I just kind of felt isolated. So I think explaining what's happening, talking a little bit more about the upcoming meetings or the meetings you had yesterday, are really helpful to build a team spirit. Again, if you're going to be a leader, yeah. you know, you, you've got to have people feel they're part of something and they're a meaningful role and they're contributing and they're growing. Well, I find if people are growing, it's money money is kind of maybe in the top ten, but it's not probably in the top three to five. If someone's growing and they are enjoying themselves and they feel part of a team, they're not saying, well, you know, I'm getting paid $100 less a week than someone down the road. Mm-hmm. They're, they're generally seeing the big picture, and they know over time these things all, all right themselves. I would amplify John's comments around knowing exactly what you want. Don't hire or don't go out and hire a mini-me because you'll find that you'll all do the same things and then what you're lacking and where you most need that person 
they're not going to be able to fulfill the role that you need. Yeah. So that's key point number one. The next one is, again, what John said, over-communicate. Um, I've seen most of the really effective teams in our business now, instead of meeting face-to-face to do their daily huddle or daily whip, they're doing that as a phone call or they're doing it on Zoom or FaceTime and they're just covering off, right, what's carried forward from yesterday? Yeah. What's ASAP? What do we need to stop, drop, and actually start to do straight away? Um, what new listings have come on the market? What pending settlements? What exchanges? What do we need to progress? What buyers do we need to talk to? And then they're catching up almost on a weekly basis for half an hour to 45 minutes and they're talking about everything else, their personal marketing, uh, their branding exercises, what are open for inspection schedules are they going to attend? What other properties have come onto the market that they can communicate through to their vendors uh we'll cover that off again in the the real estate gym but those weekly and daily whips there's no doubt troy and tom that agents that are organized and are running their ebu like a real business Mm. um are getting ahead and and like you know we just had our awards last week and matt steinway for the second year running brilliant matt um, won it again and, and you know all of our top 25 are amongst world best but you know, they have a serious business, yeah. a serious business, um, and that doesn't happen. Now, by the way, interestingly, I mean, you wouldn't call Matt the most process-driven, disciplined, you know, he's not lacking in discipline in many areas, like incredibly, but he's kind of more of the go-of-the-flow guy, but he has a team around him that he's assembled, that he and Jamie have assembled, that kind of help that process bit going. So that allow, frees him up to do his genius, which is face-to-face in front of people, buyers and sellers, so he kind of does that 24-7 and, and, the, and, and everything else gets handled. But Matt wouldn't be the kind of guy I suspect, Troy, and I haven't seen this happen, but I'm just knowing Matt as I do, that would be in there with an agenda every morning <laughs> Probably not. for half an hour going through the agenda. But he'd kind of probably be in the meeting and he'd throw in his two cents worth, but he'd, he needs someone around him that's doing that because that's his forte. Is. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think hopefully. But um, And just to wrap up for all the CSMs out there, I'm going to fight the good fight for those agents, please be generous to the CSMs. They do want to learn. They do want to be mentored. They're there doing their best. So just be generous to them. In your time, doesn't need to be a financial reward. Just in your time, if they're asking questions, take the time to answer them. Because I think that's yeah, a really important point. part. Good point to finish Good on. point. Now, next week is our 200th episode. Yeah. So that means we get lunchtime. <laughs> we get we get we get a reward. We're, we're, we're did we all, say that? You did, John. So Troy, if it's you don't on record. Mind, yeah. Episode mind number one, up the original podcast where he actually did. <laughs> no, no, I take, take your word. No, I think I did. From... You did. So we've got that. But it's also John said that this will be the first podcast where we're, we're actually going to actually prepare and plan for it. So we're looking forward to actually giving you something beyond the normal podcast when we catch up with you next week. It might be a bit of the best of the best and a reflection of some of the things that stood out in our minds over the last, is it three years, four years, five years? Five years. No, five years. It's okay. a good It freaks effort. me out every time you say that. It does feel you. like. Time flies when you have having I mean, five I do years. sometimes I Peter Pan because kind of, I've got no idea on time. It's been five years. Yeah. Anyway. No, yeah, no, good, no, good. No, Excited no, about that. 2013, yeah. Excited about that. We might do the best jibber-jabber of the last uh, five years. <laughs> That'll take about a week to work out with the amount of content that's out there. So, gang, I want to thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Thanks, guys. See you, guys.